Welcome in everyone to Washington Football Crunch. I am Mike Chen of Cascadia Preps and I'm joined by as always Luke Monger of Dogman and Jackson Garner of Kook Fan. This is a year-round Washington football podcast and for the last nine months straight we have been talking football non-stop without actually witnessing a single <laughs> meaningful snap but that's finally <laughs> about to change. Not even uh, meaningless snaps. We haven't seen any snaps at yeah. all. I would have taken. What's, I would have taken meaningless snaps in for a while. Honestly, well, you guys have seen plenty of meaningless snaps in spring ball so, and Jackson, okay, you yes, observing practices. Yes, yes, yes. Fair. But it fair. just it just kind of psychotic to talk about football nonstop for nine months without. It's, it's a tangible thing. Well, you know? we're <laughs> we're psychotic that. people. That's what we. That's <laughs> that's why we have been yeah. appointed to do this. What I was gonna say. What's amazing to me about it is like how not hard it seemed. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, <laughs> it just really became became the mo and now i'm like almost overwhelmed by how much there is to talk about yeah right we actually get to choose we had to pick and choose what are the most pressing of topics the whereas... off the field stuff is more pressing than the on the field stuff it seems like oh, that, yeah. well yeah yeah the, the we got some good ones for today the rest and stuff like that but yeah. no really like it's about to change because these upcoming juicy matchups are you know they're gonna come uh real quick here but before we get into that, we need to address the highly polarizing figure that is Jacob Hayner. Oh, Jake Hayner. I don't know why I said Jacob Hayner. Oh, Jacob. That's uh, probably Jacob his given Hainer name yes. for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> and we say uh, Jacob Sermon, not Jake Sermon. So I, there's, there's some uh, rhyme or reason to that. True. But, uh, you know, with Jake Hayner, I mean, he either betrayed UW football or he made a grown-up decision depending on who you ask. And, uh, you know, he left the program this past week. So, Luke, is Jake Hayner, is he a coward a quitter or I'm the smartest a, guy in the room. I'm I'm team Hanner on this whole I thing to be I'm honest. Glad to hear that. And, and that's not to, like first of all that doesn't mean I'm anti what the Huskies did, but he, here's where I think Jake Hanner is coming from. In, in my opinion, and I I think kind of the 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 buzz of spring ball was Jacob Eason wasn't kind of performing to what he was built up to be. Jake Hanner was the more consistent uh, quarterback looked like the better guy in spring. I think if Jake, I think Jake Hayner thinks if the roles were reversed and Jacob Eason came out and was better than Jake Hayner in spring, that there wouldn't have even been a competition in the fall. What I, yeah. what I mean to kind of say here is that I think he thinks he did everything he could to win that job, and it was just a huge uphill battle from the outset. And if he's not, I think he he probably feels like if not now then when will that change for me you know what i mean like hmm. i i think that he not necessarily fe- feels like he was treated unfairly because uh kind of from what it sounds like um from just the guys at dogman and the people that they've talked to um that are are a little closer i guess to the program that it sounded like at the end of the day jacob eason ended up looking like the better guy in fall um i just think that jake hayner I don't know. I feel like he thinks that he didn't necessarily get the fairest of looks, and if that's the case now, why would that change in the long run? Oh yeah, sorry. Go allow ahead, me actually. to allow me to offer my because I I do also think this is an interesting situation, but there's a lot that we don't know about, and which makes it kind of hard to gauge. And foremost, being if Jake Hayner was legitimately in this uh, this quarterback competition, and they thought of him. So highly as they as they had said they did, uh, you know, like saying he will play week one. Did he not believe that he would have the chance to win the job next year if he's already favored ahead of you know 
uh, Sermon. M- Sermon and Morris, then what makes him believe that he would not be favored mm-hmm. in a year yeah, from Sam now? Sam Heward's not going yeah. to show and up. To, and this is, you know, some speculation and some dramatic speculation, but if... Hayner does not believe he would have ever got that opportunity. Does he believe that this entire thing was a front? That they never believed that Hayner would ever win the job? They didn't believe he'd win it next year or the year after that. They just wanted to keep him around as a backup option. Um, Which, again, I said some dramatic speculation right there. Yes. But... uh, (laughs) Then, then shame on you, Dub. If that's the case, and, and I mean, <laughs> I'm. But what you know, what I'm trying to say here is that, like, so why Chris Peterson saying that if Hainer, he, you're going to no. play week one? Do you think that's part of the like this kind of smoke and mirror show that that they're putting no, on right the now? No, the thing is, around? I don't. What I'm, I'm kind of what I'm trying to get at is I don't understand why he left because if he is so highly favored right now, or so I mean, not favored over Eason, but. Uh, of the other quarterbacks, so highly then talented, why does yeah. he not believe he would win it next year? I just don't understand that. A- and I don't think he would have just left if he didn't believe that it was never in the cards for him to play, which me jumping to that conclusion makes me speculate that UW never thought he was able, he was ever going to play and that he was uh, a good backup solution rather than a good starting solution. I mean, I don't, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, we don't know a lot of key components here, um, which makes it hard to say, is Jake Hayner a quitter? Uh, or was he the smartest man in the room? You know, there's <laughs> well, a lot of things that we don't know about this that makes it difficult to say. The, the thing that's interesting to me is, at least the the way, I mean, and every coach in the country will say this, but I, I think the Huskies build themselves up to be a very transparent staff yeah. and program. I wonder if there was kind of more to the conversation than Jacob Eason's going to start. Maybe you know just a, I mean? a, a hair breach in that transparency. Yeah, or, or I just... Mean, or maybe they were just full on transparent. Like you said, he maybe felt like nothing was in... Or it was never in the cards. Maybe that's because... I mean, they just maybe outright said but it. Why, I mean, I, I, why like, would they say that now, though? Why would they not have told him that? I mean, why well, would so they have brought I mean, him on I think to begin anybody with? Anybody who was in watching spring camp at Husky, or at, like with the Washington Huskies, especially after Jacob Sermon and Colson Yankoff had tossed their name into the mm-hmm. transfer portal, I think you're feeling there. It's like any body we have on the roster right now has a chance at this starting quarterback job, right? But then, so I I think the outlook changed dramatically over the course of like three months, you know, or four months, however long it was between the end of spring and the beginning of fall, right? It went from like, we have now three scholarship quarterbacks at one point in the spring or at the end of the spring. Uh, Jacob Eason did not look effective. Jake Hayner seemed like the more consistent guy. I mean, I think all along because his ceiling is so high, I think the Huskies like, I mean, honestly, if we're going to be, I guess, Frank here wanted Jacob Eason (laughs) to rise to the occasion. You know what I mean? I think that's fair uh, assertion. Yeah. But I mean, if it never happened, they, they would have needed Jake Hayner. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, And that's not to say, I don't know. I mean, I thought like you said, I mean, so apparently there's this thing out there where, where Jacob Eason is supposedly going to stay after this year. But how can you say that if he goes out and throws 35 touchdowns and yeah, is getting 
like top 10 draft or like top 10 overall draft pick buzz or even first round draft buzz, right? That, that's yeah. just a ridiculous notion. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you feel like, and like Micah said, I mean, everyone wants Sam Heward to come in here and be the four year starter uh, from the minute he steps foot on campus, but he won't be here. Two more years. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like you need someone to carry Next the torch year, right? from there. <laughs> and Jake Hayner would be a redshirt junior then. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's an interesting situation for sure. Um, I honestly think, I mean, it, apparently there was an article in the athletic. I didn't read all of it. Um, but like, apparently it was a pretty emotional. Well, and that's what I'm trying to wonder. Cause talking about that, you know, that's where I'm basing all this off of is what was that conversation truly like that true, that extremely emotional conversation between coach Peterson and Jake Hayner. What was the true contents of that conversation? Because my thought is, again is that if he doesn't win it now he certainly has to be the front runner in 20 2020 so you know you're you're just a redshirt sophomore like you still have plenty of time three years yep. you still have you know yeah you still have plenty of time to to hold down that to, or to go win that job later on um yeah but you know maybe you know kind of you saying it's too early to say if if uh Jacob Eason will stick around. Maybe that was the same conversation for Coach Pete to say, well, it's too early to say that you'd be the front runner to win the job in 2020 because who knows what'll happen. Who do, hey, Morris, Dylan Morris might progress. Sermon. Sermon and, has the look just like Eason does. They might Garbers, just, yeah. you know, who knows what's going to happen. So maybe that was the conversation. He said, well, hey, if you can't give me any guarantees, then I'm gone. But I mean, that conversation kind, I mean, and again, I, you know, if it was the best decision for him then you know that's the best decision for him but if we're saying is he the smartest person in the room or did he quit i'm leaning more towards he quit because there was there was uh, there what we're thinking assuming is there was uncertainty about his future and he said i don't want uncertainty i want to know what's going to happen and he jumped ship again that's his choice and he's going to make the best choice yeah. for himself but that is also the definition of quitting, is hey, is leaving in a situation that Jake you're Hanner unsure of. Doesn't owe anybody anything. It's and his he doesn't life. absolutely. He has he does the not right owe to leave. Anyone anything? UW fans have the right to be angry and judge his character, and Jake Hanner has the right to block you on social media. Everybody wins. <laughs> we're, all, we're all doing a good <laughs> yeah. thing right now. Uh, but like you know, I the thing is when you say someone quit, I feel like you're immediately your immediate assumption is you're judging his character. It's, it's an emotional, yeah. it's an emotional, it's an emo- uh, there's that is an emotionally charged state. You're assuming that he owes you something. He quit on his teammates. He quit on his family. Yeah, like, but it's, I, it's I, a business. that's not, that's 100% not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. But by the book kind of quit. But look, how yeah, you but we all both came out and said that we were team Hanner kind of in the way yeah. that it all played out. What were we saying, Micah? How do you, but what do you address? What, what do you say to the people that, you know, call him, you know, he, he, he he's not he doesn't know how to commit he he's a, he's a coward for leaving the program right before a season starts he's only thinking about himself you know selfish in a way i mean you got to address that part of it as well cuz that's a yeah. that's a huge part of the outrage right now is that Hainer like doesn't care about anybody but himself which i don't have a problem with like it's yeah, like well, I, said, you know, I feel like I a lot a large portion of that group of people are going to feel that way regardless and most of those guys are probably still dwelling on the cal game honestly yeah. you know i think uh yeah. Like you just can't please everybody. Like at the end of the day, he did make the decision that's best for him, right? The yeah. decision that would have been best for the team would have been for him to stay, right? Because right? I yeah. mean, well, look, but at the end of the coaching, 
well, that's like, not a bad thing. Like, who, who else is he supposed to please? Yeah, Who's exactly. He, like, tell me. who. What, is he supposed to please some fan? Like, Works what, what obligation <laughs> What obligation does yeah. he have to any of that? I mean, sure, yeah. if, he has, if he has developed relationships with his team over the years and feels an obligation in that sense, then yeah, but that's... We don't know that. We that's none of our business. And we, you know, what all we know is that he's making a decision for himself. Um, but I don't see how you could fault him for that. But how much frustration is there as a coaching staff, like having used countless first and second team reps for literally the last two years, and now they're not going to get any return on that investment? I mean, that's that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of stock that you put into this person. And uh, and it's it's not going to pay off this season if something does go if something does go bad, right? That's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I like in, in a way like that's that's true, obviously. But I mean, how often does that happen in like all of college football? You know what I mean? I mean, the the Huskies, I guess, yeah. invested a ton of first and te- second team reps in um, KJ Carter Samuels and Troy Williams and other quarterbacks, Nick Montana. Who just mm-hmm. never lived up to the hype that they had coming in. Um, so I mean, like, business. would you feel the same way about a guy who stayed five years at UW and then just never was good enough to make it on the field? Uh, like, are those reps wasted? You know what I mean? Well, at yeah. least they were available, though. Like Hainer's, like the idea That's of fair. him even not playing, but just the yeah, idea that then if also, something happened to Eason, well, we we've been working on this guy every single day for the last two years just in case and we have that security now they don't have it anymore yeah that's true i mean if we're getting down to like the really i guess kind of nitty-gritty though then the reps that he got for the most part though there was someone on the receiving end of that rep also that maybe a receiver it benefited them yeah like so i don't know i would (laughs) say more concerning than you know whatever if you kind of want to interpret a loss of reps is the fact that now their backup quarterback is someone who they didn't believe could be the starting quarterback through spring and fall. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their backup option. Is And again, not to say that they don't believe in them per se, but they were not a part of the quarterback battle. Their plans, it has been, it's been quite evident through the how they have divvied out the reps, is that Morris and Sermon are... are looking more towards the future and Hayner and Eason are more towards now. Um, now they don't have that choice. Like they're literally one bad accident away from having to start Jacob Sermon or Dylan or Dylan. Yeah. Morris. I was going to say they're two disasters away from Dylan Morris starting every game this year. Yeah. Like that does not, that's make not to you, say that, that does not make Morris you feel good bad quarterback, but, but that's just not a situation time, you want to be in. I just wonder how did that not go through Jake Hayner's head? Like, I'm literally one snap away. I'm one snap away from yeah. being the starting quarterback. Like Eason has a, at a program like the University <laughs> of Washington. That's true. You know, yeah. I just I don't I don't but get that. To to address your worry about is Sermon really ready? I mean, when you're put in a stressful situation, people tend to elevate their game. You know, you get your shit together, you work harder than you ever have before because the expectations of you have never been higher than it is right now. You know, Jacob Sermon before you know, I'm not going to say that he was, uh, you know, spinning his wheels, but uh, he might have been felt a little bit directionless. You know, he didn't feel like he really like had a had a place in the program. Well, he felt directionless enough to walk away from the program for three days. So I that's mean, yeah, that's what I mean by on, directionless. Yeah, you're onto yeah. something. Mm-hmm. But like, it, like to to use like a real life analogy, you know, sometimes you know young guys can be immature, but you know, suddenly you're you you find out you're about to be a father. You know, you tend to grow up real quick. 
So mm-hmm. you know, Jacob Jacob Sermon just kind of floating around, not really sure who he, what his purpose is. All of a sudden, as the backup now, now you start seeing that sense of urgency. And, and like I said, not to say that he wasn't I mean, working hard before, but he shows up every single day knowing that every rep is do or die from here for the rest of the season. That, that's going to help him elevate his game and his overall development as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing is, is now he's in a way, I mean, obviously only to a certain extent, but now he's like actually competing for for game reps. You know what I mean? Obviously, if the Huskies are in a close game, Jacob Eason's going to get every snap. But like... If the Huskies get up three or four touchdowns second half, like are the Huskies just going to keep Jacob Eason in and hand it off, or are they feel comfortable giving Jacob Sermon some reps, you know, in like the early fourth quarter through the rest of that game? You know what I mean? So he like he's now going. He has an opportunity to earn himself some reps on the field, and he's only been here for a year, which is crazy. I mean, he feels like he's had this most storied one year. You'd have career of all time. <laughs> well, it's because he's been around for like four years now because of his That's true. Know, roots. You know, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been a now. name. He's been, and he was committed since like what, the end of his sophomore yeah, year? Yeah, 2016, so, 2015. Yeah, yeah, he's been a part of Husky football forever. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you hate to say that there's like a winner of this whole situation, but he certainly is. Oh, you yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, what I'm wondering, and uh, sort of related, but are Bush Hamden and Chris Peterson at, at Sitting behind, sitting in their closed doors, thinking, "Shit, like this is like this is not how we wanted this to go down." And obviously, they're not going to express that sort of uh, panic in in their quarterback situation. But are they are they feeling some sort of panic in that quarterback room right now because of the lack of depth that they have and they have lost that the backup that they had been, you know, who had been the backup for the past two years? Yeah. I think there's definitely probably a certain element of heightened uneasiness, um, yeah. if that makes sense. They just brought back on Blake Gregory. I love it. I love that move, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, like, Blake Gregory, awesome. Like, super excited for Blake. Yeah. That's it's an interesting I mean, yeah. situation. I don't know why he took two years off in between 2016 and now. But it probably wasn't a spot for him. That's what I'm saying, right? But yeah. now they're like, <laughs> we just need another body in here. Yeah, um, they like went through UW's enrollment and, and checked if Gregory was still at the yeah. school. Oh, That's there right. he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there he is. Blake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's uneasiness when you're when you're in that person's you know situation. I remember John, you know, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore year, or I believe more like redshirt freshman, true freshman year, kind of going into camp and not knowing whether he was actually going to be a part of the team. It was, you know, every yeah. camp is a tryout. So, I mean, that was probably the situation with uh, with Mr. Gregory. Mm-hmm. And then you start to, I mean, you have that two-quarterback class with Sermon and Yankoff. Yeah. And it makes sense that they start to run out of spots there. Mm-hmm. You had Daniel Bridgegad on the roster. Yeah, was it Tony Rodriguez time. around that time, too? Yeah. Uh, Tony, Tony Rodriguez was on the 2016 roster. With Gregory. Great guy. Yeah, Love Tony. Tony Rodriguez, family guy. Yeah. I remember literally one of the, the funniest moments of my Husky fandom history. Like going into the 2016 Oregon game, like you knew it was going to be a beatdown. Obviously, no one saw 7021 coming, right? <laughs> but like it was in the cards. Mm-hmm. So wh- I told one of my buddies that my goal for that game was for KJ Carter Samuels to play. Right, it's like I wanted mm-hmm. it to be that big of a blowout. Tony Rodriguez played. That Tony <laughs> Rodriguez, baby. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. And I also said my other goal was to put my feet up in Autzen Stadium watching the second half, and I got to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Well, let's switch it up to a far less controversial quarterback situation, and that is yeah. Gage Gerud versus it. Anthony Gordon. Like, the thing with Anthony Gordon is what I want to know, how low is his ceiling? Is there a scenario where he could fall flat on his face and be benched? Because I'm kind of crossing my fingers you know, <laughs> that, that we get to see Gerud sometime this season. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out like that. I, d- I think <laughs> I think you're asking the wrong question. I think the better question is like how high is the floor? That's probably the better question. That's same. Because I oh, sorry, not- yeah, that's what I meant. How low is the floor? That's what I was trying to say. Oh, how low is yeah, the floor? Is, okay. Is, I think that why well, I still think the better question is how high is the floor? Because again, we're talking about the last thing, yeah. two quarterbacks in their first year through 38 touchdowns. That was their first year playing. So I mean, that is kind of the status quo. I mean, if he hits 30 touchdowns, we're, I mean, are we concluding that as well? He fell on his face. Like what? I don't, I'm not necessarily sure how we look at that. Um, I mean, comparatively, I would say, yeah, you know, eight like, less touchdowns than the other two guys. But what do you think it would take for Guru to finally see the field? Cause it's going to happen sometime. No, this I, I think, I, I think it doesn't, it's not going to take a whole lot. I don't think that, that, Shortly. You know, Anthony Gordon has a ton of slack on the leash. Mm-hmm. I feel that if if they come out and they're flat for for a quarter or a half, I d- I could totally see Gage Gerbrud coming out in the second half like, against the New Mexico State or like. One of I just don't think components. it'll happen against the New Mexico State. Right, I think right. I think WSU their offense is too good. Um, and well, I mean, I don't think it really matters how well the defense plays. If if <laughs> if Mike Leach determines that the offense isn't moving to a pace he likes, then I think you'll see another quarterback. Um, and we'll we'll get to see how much uh, stock there is when he says he believes in all three of his quarterbacks. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's likely that we see that. I mean, again, I do think that Anthony Gordon has a good chance to, to hold on to this job and run with it for the entire year. But, uh, it, you know, if something were like that were to happen, I mean, hey, you know, you couldn't have anticipated Luke Falk had a short leash in, in 2017, and yeah. he did. So, I mean, who's to say that Anthony Gordon, you know, a fifth-year senior making his first start doesn't have a short leash? He yeah. probably does. Well, what's interesting about that short leash, too, is – and then maybe this wouldn't be the case for Anthony because Luke had started for so mm-hmm. long. But Luke was pulled in that game, and then Tyler Holinsky came in and was lethal and, like, yes. took them back. And then Luke still started the next week, right? Like, it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like the consequences were – uh, enormous, you know yeah, I mean? long term. Yeah. No, and I think there is something about it where you know you can you know a quarterback just can't seem to pick the lock, and then another one come comes in and just can. That's not to say the you know the starting quarterback, which would be Luke Falk in that in that particular instance, isn't the most capable quarterback to pick the lock against the other defenses he's going to be facing. It's just that particular moment, um, and you know. I think there, to be fair, there were a lot of people that argued in Tyler Holinsky's case that why, you mm-hmm. know, why is he not playing more if, if he was able to show that he could do that? Yeah. Um, and I don't think there was as much certainty in kind of the whole plug and play idea of Leach's quarterbacks that you can, you know, take a lot of these guys and they're going to play well. Um, there wasn't as much faith in that, but, you know, watching Gardner Minshew do it, now we're going to have an opportunity to watch Anthony Gordon do it. There's going to be a much more confident feeling in that plug and play idea if this all works out. 
it's like a running back position, you know. Starter's not doing too well. Doesn't mean he's. It's it's not benches. Yeah, you right ride way. the hot <laughs> hand. You ride the hot hand. Yeah. I think is is kind of just what it boils down to. It's just, it's just, it's just a lot harder at quarterback. It's and very it, dramatic when rotating. Yeah, happens, yeah, right? and it's just it's just <laughs> tough to say who you know. It's easier to say in the moment who has the hot hand for the running backs. It's just tougher to say that week by week for quarterbacks. You know? yeah, it's it's much more acceptable to rotate running backs as well. Yes, yeah, and but, I don't think there will be a situation where there's a legitimate like quarterback by committee. I think there could be two quarterbacks playing the game, but it's going to be, we're going with this quarterback, now this quarterback got relieved by another quarterback. I think that's what it will look like. I really believe that in an alternate dimension, Gubrud has been named the starter, and he's about to go on a Heisman run. <laughs> you know, that's what's scary about life. You never know. That's, but that's the thing. Everyone wanted to believe that, because that's what Gardner Minshew Dude, did. There like, are we still had... people that are saying that uh, Gubrud's about to be the starter. There's still... Like, we, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean... people across the country. Oh, <laughs> a lot of national outlets are yeah, reporting so as, <laughs> as Gubrud is a starter, and that's why local journalism is important. But uh, to get off that pedestal, <laughs> I just... I think that we built the narrative before it even played out. Yeah, we said absolutely. Gardner Minshew did it last year. What's not to believe that, you know, Gage Gubrud is the exact same mm-hmm. fit and it, it just wasn't, it didn't work out that way. Yeah, it I mean, wasn't the same. You know, maybe if uh, Gubrud hadn't got hurt in spring ball, he might. Oh, he, absolutely. He might absolutely. be a Cinderella story. Because, right That's, that and sucks, man. <laughs> I think we, we talked about this a little bit last week, I, I believe that, you know, well, or I guess my, my biggest observation was Gage looked like he was playing in Eastern's offense for WSU or he's you know really trying to extend the ball downfield really looking to make big plays and rather than letting you know his playmakers make the big plays um through the short you know short passes check downs the mesh routes all that good stuff that the the air raid has to offer and it it just looked like Anthony Gordon was so much more comfortable in that but that leads me to think man what would have been if Gage Gubrud had that spring to develop that kind of comfort leading into fall, giving him a better opportunity, being more prepared to compete with Gordon, who's been doing this for now his fourth year. Yeah, I, I was going to say, just if there's an offense where it would really, really hurt to lose an opportunity for live reps as a newcomer, it's probably Washington State's. I mean, it's yeah. all offenses, but Washington yeah. State's especially. And that's that's the thing about it, too, because everyone tries to make it seem so complicated, but, the you know... X's and O's wise, the air raid offense is not that compl- complicated. It is the feel of things, understanding the reads, having a feel for what the various defenses that you're going to see, and, and sort of that that s- subjectiveness um, in quarterbacking yeah, that really comes into play here. And, and that's kind of where Anthony Gordon had the leg up. It's a lot of muscle memory once you've been doing it, you know, thousands of times. Yeah, uh, you talk about jumping the gun. Uh, we kind of did that with our fantasy football league when we announced that Gage Grubrud, uh was going to be Jackson's quarterback. And, uh, and luckily, and that, I got the WCQB room. It's, it is a WC quarterback room, but we announced yeah. that Gage Grubrud was the quarterback because uh, yeah, we were yeah. we were not saying, but we we believe we wanted to believe that yeah. uh, Gage Grubrud was going to be the guy. But regardless, uh, week one of fantasy football starts this week, and uh, I'll, I'll be honest, right now, I do not feel confident. In my team, as and this is why you should wait. You're right, Jackson. This is why we should wait till the uh, closer to the start of the season. Because you know, I'm yeah, looking right? at uh, some of my starters, such as you know Tay Martin, you know, getting wrecked right now by Roderick Fisher. And um, well, he did Calvin actually Jackson. come out. He did come up in the uh, in the uh, depth chart as the number one X receiver. So yeah, but for the draft with though, a million I, more. Is- 
with a million yeah, orbs. No, exactly. Granted, and for but... the draft stock, like my second round pick, I kind of want mm-hmm. him to be solidified as the yeah. X receiver. And now I'm, and now I find out Roger Fisher is going to bolster his touchdowns. I mean, and then you look at like uh, Ray Green. Well, it turns out Central brought in another D1 running back, and you know, then that's going about to be a, a quad committee. Of um, and then uh, can't trust Central Washington, man. Yeah, Those, no, you can't. They're so sneaky <laughs> late in their late recruiting game. You know. They're always picking up someone late or that we haven't heard of. I don't want anything to do with Central Washington. They bring in so many like fantasy wise. I love Central Washington. Backs, like I'm kind of worried about how this might affect future recruiting because like I swear half our lineup right now, well not ours, but like you know half of Central's yeah. lineup is like players from Montana and uh, Oregon State and um, you know Weber State. You know the back. Yeah. So it, it's a. I'm saying right now, like Quentin Lewis, a player that I drafted from Central that was supposed to be number one receiver, didn't even show up during fall camps. So it's like, oh goodness. So that's like another <laughs> player. That's well, like another pick that I blew. Luckily, you have an opportunity Gosh. right here to to set your lineup for week one. So oh, do you no. have any changes? It's, it's, it's ready to go. Oh, tomorrow you have Pierce ready to go. Is, I, tomorrow Pierce is a little banged up right now. So you want to just you want to just back. run through it for I, us? Yeah, let's, so, let's do it. Uh, yeah. Quarterback Jacob Eason, running back Antoine Custer Jr. Another pick I hate because it's yeah. looking like committee. Uh, Ray Green, uh, running back Central is now like second or third string running back. Andrew Boston, a receiver. I love that guy. Uh, Tay Martin um, as my other receiver. And then Aesop Winston in my flex. My defense, Central Washington, going to get crushed at Idaho. But that's the price I pay for picking that defense. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be rough. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't feel so bad about the Tay Martin pick. I mean, they're going up against New Mexico State, who was fifth in the I'm country and giving up the most long-term points. projection. Yeah, I worry but, about him getting his his workload getting eaten into. Yeah, I I mean, I still think it's probably a fairly safe pick. But regardless, I, I suppose I'll just get into to my, setting my lineup because there are a couple changes that I want to make, and that would be. I I still think that Dion McIntosh is going to end up being WSU's second back, but for this week. I just think Clay Markoff is it's going to be a huge tryout for Clay Markoff to see if he can actually put this you thing think together. think second and six he's actually going to be on the field? I like, I don't like, know. Like not I the don't know. Fourth and one or like something. I listen. I line. think I think probably all four running backs. I think Juventus Bazil is probably going to get a shot. I think Dion McIntosh is going to get a shot. I think Clay Markoff is going to get a shot. But I think Clay Markoff is going to get the biggest shot out of the outside of Max Borgie. So I'm going to move in Clay Markoff instead of Dion Rock, Dion McIntosh to be my running back too. And then I'm also going to put in Renard Bell instead of Travell Harris. <laughs> I do like Travell Harris in his big play threat. I totally think that he could create a big play against New Mexico State. In fact, it's probably likely that he makes a good big play against uh, like New return. Mexico State. <laughs> With that being said, it's likely a lot of players will make a big play against <laughs> New Mexico State, which is why I'm going to put in Renard Bell. I just think he's probably going to see more snaps in the game. I think there's going to be a higher chance he finds the end zone. So I'm going to have Renard Bell... Uh, as wide receiver two, so that my lineup for week one will be uh, Anthony Gordon at quarterback, Max Borgie, uh, Clay Markoff, Aaron Fuller, Renard Bell, Hunter Bryant at my tight end, and then the WCU defense, which I expect big things from. Luke, what about you? Oh, one, one second. Did you guys see oh, Chris up. Pearson's press conference where somebody asked him, "Is Hunter Bryant going to play Week One or something like that?" Like, is it like basically trying to see if there's something that we don't know? Because on a depth chart is listed as Hunter Bryant or Kate Otten. Yeah. Oh, I did not hear that. No. Yeah. So, well, so I was, I was, I was in there. Oh what was yeah. The response. Basically, uh, he says he said uh, 
even if even if he wasn't gonna play, we wouldn't tell you right now. So, but oh, I, he basically yeah, he basically just said, "Yeah, he's gonna play." You trying to you know you trying to get me to say something that he's not. So, but anyways, yeah, okay. yeah Hunter Bryant. Well, is good. Okay. Limited reps, but he'll play. All right. Awesome. Yeah, for me, you know, I'm not really loving my team either. Not a whole lot of confidence across the board here. Um, <laughs> obviously, week one, the Eric Berrier, Jason Williams combination is a little scary going into a game against UW. Especially yeah. when I have UW Why do you defense. I mean, I still think they could put up points. Yeah, I mean, gonna... sure, they might put up points. But, like, like at the same time, though, I mean, like, Jason Williams against Keith Taylor, I'm going to take Keith Taylor most of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that's yeah, a tough I mean, matchup. I, like, yeah, I don't no, know. it certainly I mean, is. They're going to score. Think, I, I think they're going to score points. up with uh, Andrew Boston more. But I, I don't think UW doesn't really flip corners. Because Andrew no. Boston is number one receiver. So I would assume Keith Taylor would. Yeah. Be focusing on him. Uh, nevertheless, you know, I, I guess we're going to have to roll with it. Where I'm really disappointed is my bench right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, actually, I do like Tony Archie. You that's should. a solid mm-hmm. That's a solid stash on the bench. But Kamari Pleasant, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Are you uh, wishing you'd have taken Sean McGrew now? Or? No, because remember, I have to stick with my hot take of all three of them getting 100 yeah. touches. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, you, you must have faked Kamari Pleasant. <laughs> You know, it might be hard. He might be one of those guys where. It's, but if you had to choose between Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant right now, would you change that or? Um, <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. Okay. All right. Um, All right. That's that's good enough for me. I'm hoping Javonsley Bazile can maybe end up being something fancy in the yeah, long run. The fact think, that his name is on the depth chart, I think, is a win for him. Yeah. Definitely. Um. But Austin Osborne, it doesn't sound like more than <laughs> 10 or 15 catches is in the cards from this year, but I could be totally yeah. wrong. I mean, just the fact, if you're not on UW's like, two deeps listed at receiver, I feel like you're not destined for a ton of catches, but I could be wrong. Yeah, but Puka, Puka Nakua made it, correct? I don't believe he did. He did, did not. He did not. He did not. Okay, no. did not? Yeah. Darn. Okay. For some reason, I thought he did, because I felt actually, I'm neither did, actually pretty uh, good about my bench. No, neither did Spiker. Spiker to make you it. You need a tray low. It's it's you know depth charts. I mean that's tough. That's t- it's a tough room to make it in. Let's be honest. Yes. You know, especially nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, but I you know conversely, I feel like I'm feeling pretty good about my bench. I don't know. You know, receivers starting for anybody right now is anybody? Oh, you're starting Aaron Fuller Jackson. Wow. Starting Aaron Fuller. Would yeah. Jacob Easton at quarterback? We only start between the three of us. Yeah. So no one Glenn? took. No one took. No. You, who was? Someone has McClatcher. No, nobody did. That was no one took McClatcher. To yeah, I was surprised by that. Oh my god, that's a so mistake. The, the the three other <laughs> running, the us. three other wide receivers in Chico McClatcher, Quinton Pounds, and uh, Andrew Bynum, uh, Terrell Bynum, uh, and Andre Bocelli. No, no. Andre Bocelli. Andre Bocelli. I took Andre Bocelli. No one. Oh, you took Andre Bocelli and Ty oh, okay. Jones. Yeah, you took Andre Bocelli over Chico. Interesting. Well, at the time, at I the time, that the probably yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time. I don't think Andre like Andre Bocelli could be in for. Uh, I don't know. I, I like. I'm kind of excited about Andre Bocelli. Yeah. Because you, no, you forget for about, sure. like, Andre has 25 catches guy. in the last three yeah. games. Like, they, they, obviously a lot of those were screens in inclement weather or weird <laughs> games. But you also forget that, like, he runs, at least according to the Husky Combine, which, I mean, let's just not get into whether or not it's real, runs a sub 4-4-40 at that event, right? Yeah. Well, Regardless, like 75 pounds. He's I mean, fast, <laughs> though. And I'm saying, like, maybe now that you have that arm... With Jacob Eason, maybe you give him a chance to run under some stuff. Like I don't know, we'll just we'll just yeah. See. I think that's you know that I would certainly believe that they're going to try and air it out a little bit more. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's a good spot to end our our fantasy segment. Well, Luke, you got to li- you got to list your starting one. Oh, that's right, now. that's right, that's right. Is there any changes to your starting? No, one? I think I'm going to have to roll with this one right now. 
Um, Which is? My, my, my temptation. Uh, actually, I'm going to. Will you guys give me your honest opinion about one? Yeah. Of course. I'm going to go Barrier, Michael Roots, Savon. I like the Savon pick as my RB2. Not bad. Uh, Jason it. Williams, Desmond Patman. Not my favorite, but again, Calvin Jackson I last. I feel good about that. I, yeah. I feel pretty good. I mean, he's listed as the second or I, and again, I just wouldn't put a lot of stock. I wouldn't put a lot of stock in no, that. Like that, no, no, no. that rotation will be consistent. Would you play? Even. Would you play Tony Archie or Calvin Jackson in your flex? I would play. Uh, I would play. Oh, that's a good one because like Central's playing Idaho and they're not going to get much again. Shoot. You have you have WSU going up against New Mexico State, the yeah. fifth most scored upon defense last year. I, I like, would go Calvin Jackson. Yeah, and they Calvin lost. Jackson. They the lost three is, of their Desmond, top four tacklers. Desmond Patman. If Desmond Patman scores, then it's a zero point play for Tony Yard, or I mean for uh, Calvin Jackson. Which, like, I mean, yeah. that's fine though. It, you know, stacking's tough. Stacking is tough. They could totally both score. Like that is. But when you play with four teams, there's a like, there's bound. Yeah, there's going to be stacking. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, like, yeah. the thing is with Central when they play FCS opponents, they suck at getting like lots of receptions or receivers. Yeah. Like the final, like last year against Eastern, the leading rece- or receiver had like three catches for, the last for sure, forty something yards. Uh, and, and I think it's funny. Only in Washington fantasy football will Savon Ahmed be considered a two to Michael Roos. I just thought that was funny. It is really that. funny. That is <laughs> yeah. really, really, really funny. <laughs> hey, central yards count the same. So uh, we are flex. confirming that you've, you at Calvin Jackson as the flex. Yes, Calvin Jackson is my okay. flex. Okay. May he score three touchdowns. May he. Hey, you guys have the UW depth charts pulled up right now, right? Yeah, I do, I do. Okay, good, okay. Uh, let me, I, I can pull it up really quick. Yeah, it's quickly. pretty easy to pull up, but... Um, and I just want to say there should be an agreement that when depth charts are released that only one media outlet is allowed to publish them because in the span <laughs> of like three minutes my feed was bombarded just UW depth charts with the re- reports and I was like the first time I'm like cool I want, I've want i been waiting all my life to see this I yeah. feel like it's been like eight months to finally see a depth chart but then like it is like throughout the afternoon just screenshots of the depth chart it was getting ridiculous for sure uh, yeah but, that's but, uh, what I first about- want to say about the depth chart by the way is, you know, I've always been confident in my knowledge of Husky football, but to call my Cameron Williams shot was pretty big. I mean, can we all get that excited about June, that? I, 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 yeah, I saw that and I was like, yeah, Luke, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Great that call. That was a proud moment for me. <laughs> We're going to cut that audio clip and play it later. Yeah, exactly. That will be in the portfolio. We're going to open up with that one of these episodes. We're going to We got to we got to do that. We got to go back and get all of our good takes and then just have those just the audio clips be our opener instead of music, just our voices yeah. just being so right and <laughs> yeah. everyone forgetting about how wrong we've been in the past. We've made yeah. so many predictions in the preseason that hopefully we can yeah, we, we got to hit, well, we gotta hit there. on some of Literally, them. Literally like this, sure. this past month we've done nothing but make predictions I feel like. Just yeah. like putting ourselves on the spot and you know risking it all so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, looking at this depth chart right now, what stands out to you guys? Um not really, I mean not really a ton. Two freshmen in the DB uh like starting defensive backfield. Is an exciting Wait, who, one. Who's the second one? Uh, I mean, he's not a true freshman, but Kyler yeah. Gordon doesn't count. Doesn't yeah, count as a true yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that that's fair. But nevertheless, um, like in a room where they are just recruiting, like talented class after talented class, you'd think there'd be like, I don't know, maybe a sophomore or junior on the roster. But it's interesting, kind of. I don't know. It's just interesting how that all plays out back there. Well, the thing is with uh, the UW secondary, uh, a retro freshman is considered like a junior because of how fast they get to the NFL now. Yeah, it's that, true. The, the, the timeline like, is this is his second to last year. Yeah. But, um, 
Gosh, I'm trying to think what else. Well, the, oh, I had a question well, about I, the secondary. I, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, you know, no, similarly, I was going to have a question about the secondary, and that being like Trent McDuffie, Asa Turner, uh, yeah, where, cracking where, where the hell is Isaiah Gilchrist? He's like a four-star Cracking the guy. two deep. So these two freshmen yeah. cracking the two deep. Does that surprise you, you know, with how good w, or UW's secondary is that, that two freshmen were able to crack uh, the two deep spot and then, you know, also Cam Williams – being the starter so you got three freshmen in the in the two deeps for you know dbu yeah <laughs> yeah no it's interesting for sure i mean y- you think about guys then like uh julius Irvin, you yeah, know and obviously yeah. he's and been isaiah hurt. gilchrist but then isaiah gilchrist is a redshirt junior going into his fourth year in the program um at a certain point i mean n- not anything like i'm not saying this isn't supposed to be like ragging on isaiah gilchrist but i feel like in this defensive backfield I feel like if you haven't gotten significant playing time by the time you're like a like your third year on by campus, it's probably yeah. like you know what I mean. No, I totally yeah. understand. Like it's yeah. just not quite in the cards. It just ain't. Um, yeah, but then it, it is interesting. But then you also think like they do have like five defensive back spots that they list as starters. You know, mm-hmm. so like you run out of names eventually. But the, the fact that you have those like Trent McDuffie. Um, as well as Asa Turner listed in the two deeps, like that sounds like they're going to burn their red shirts probably, right? You know, you like think like they're not just going to put like they wouldn't just put them on the depth chart there to make them feel good about themselves. Like your you second string, I mean? but you're not giving me on kickoff no, or any other not. special teams. Or- yeah, ex- <laughs> like exactly. Like these are guys that are going to get snaps for sure. So that that that's I think interesting to to keep an eye on, obviously. And, um, like those guys burning their red shirts, as well as maybe other guys, and it, like no one else made the two deeps of true freshmen, other than obviously Cam Williams, who's starting. Um, yeah, well, I, I'd say other than that, you know, to be expected for all the for all the other. Yeah, I think the spots. one. I mean, if you were to just go by like a name that might su- surprise you, is uh, Josiah Bronson over Benning Potawai. Definitely shocking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, like among the positions where the nominal starter means the least defensive line would probably be tied with wide receiver for you, Dad. Mm-hmm. Cause it's so much rotating, right? Yeah. yeah. The last yeah. observation is, is if you like tall receivers, look away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I don't want to look thin. Cause I know, this is right? like, I've, I've never been a fan of uh, UW's uh, 5'10", 5'8", and 5'11 starters. So. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, before we go into WSU's depth chart, I want to ask you about the cornerback spots. If something happens to Keith Taylor, Kyler Gordon, is it truly that each of them are individual backups at their at their position, or is Dominic Campton going to come in uh, for either of those guys if they get hurt? Yeah, so I, I think it would probably be Dominic Campton. Over Chad McDuffie? Yeah, well, no. So, uh, yeah, it would be one of the two. My guess would it would be Dominic Campton first to come in. Right, that's like, what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, looking at the depth chart, uh, I guess Trent McDuffie is listed behind Kyler Gordon, but if Kyler Gordon got hurt, it would probably be Dom Hampton. Um, and I, I think that's like, yeah, that, that's just at least my kind of feel. That's how football works. That's how depth charts work. Yeah. And, uh, hey, Keith Taylor, 6'3", 195. I got to see this guy in person, man. That's got to be a special, There's special prospect. There's this picture, uh, and I've been, meaning, I've been trying to find it for so long, but it was like right after all the Adidas stuff came out. And it was Keith, like, and obviously, like, the angle kind of made this deceptive, but it was Keith Taylor, like, dwarfing Benning. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But isn't Benning, like, 6'3", 6'2"? Yeah, he's, like, 6'3", 290, and it was the camera angle that made it look funny, but it's like, oh, here's our DB, like, three times the size of our (laughs) interior defensive lineman now. It was funny looking. 
Well, let's take a look at the WSU depth chart right now. And uh, one thing that I want to applaud is that Brandon Arcanado, who seems like a very likable guy, is listed as a starter above Cassidy Woods. And you got the classic ors in there, you know, like it's good. Or Jimmy or Calvin, he's hurt right now. But uh, that's a feel-good story, man. I think that's a better feel-good story than Anthony Gordon. <laughs> well, what I don't... I'm kind of taken back by that. What makes Anthony Gordon not so likable? No, no, no. I didn't say what. Oh, Jackson, there you go. You said you said Brandon Arcanado is a likable guy. Yeah, he's like he's a more he just, likable than the, Anthony Gordon. Or? I don't know who Anthony Gordon is. He, he's from San Francisco or something. I don't. I just yeah. He, there's nothing personal about that. And I'm not saying I don't like Anthony Gordon, but I'm just saying Arcanado. You know, he, he's he's not like the cool looking guy or anything. He's a little no. skinny. Um, you know, he, he's not as flashy as Jameer Calvin or no, he's Ka- cert- freaking genetic freak Cassidy certainly Woods. Certainly not. And he's a, he has like a 4.0 student. Like I think Michael Lee yeah. just said, yeah, we kind of brought him on because he's going to help raise our GPA average, man. Oh, you know, our team GPA. Yeah. And uh, and now he, and, and, and he suddenly finds himself in a starting role. I think that's well, cool. Well, yeah. People are kind of quick to forget that Brandon Arconado did have a role with the inside receivers in 2017, that he he did cross that 20 reception threshold. I believe it was 20. It might have been 10. I, I want to say it was 20. That might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But I, I agree. Like, that's awesome. The redemption story. I mean, I guess you can call it a redemption story. After not having a role in 2018, to now come back and, and be that starter in 2019. I don't think it's a surprise, necessarily. He has been that first stringer from day one of camp. So he's held it down as the starter. Um, not necessarily a surprise, but you're right. A great story for a great kid who is now who started as a walk-on, earned a scholarship last year. Um the big surprises for me, though, came uh, on the defensive side, and that was that uh, Missiona A.I. Lupoteape, who they call Misi, is the lone starter at nose tackle, and there was not an or given to Lamont McDougal. Um, that caught me by surprise a little bit. I thought they would have given him the or, but I could see that changing uh, as we get into some games here. The second one that caught me by surprise was Hank Pladson cracking the two deep behind Jihad, Jihad Woods. Who did you think it was going to be, that freshman? Well, Dom, no, Dom Sivils, oh, who okay. led the team and who was tied for the lead in sacks last year when he was a rush mm-hmm. linebacker. They converted him back to Will um, to, to have more depth in the inside, and then he doesn't crack the two deep. Why move him from, you know, why not move him back to rush and let Willie Taylor and Dom Civils do what they did last year, which was, you know, I think they got a total of eight and a half sacks between the both of them. Like, those are some good numbers right there. Why don't, why fix that? I mean, you know, I'm not, not to say that Ron Stone Jr. can't, can't do anything that, but we don't, we, we don't know that he can put up those kind of numbers. So, I mean, that was definitely a, a surprise to me. Um, but other than that, yeah, I would say I wasn't too surprised. I could have seen uh, what, who was it? Uh, Derek Langford, who I did have in my starting, uh, my starting cornerback spot opposite of Marcus Strong. They have him as uh, the number two behind Marcus Strong. Six three, one ninety five. Man, what a freak! He's a lengthy cornerback. <laughs> Langford, I, I, baby. <laughs> I I, I yeah, like him a lot. That's why that's yes, Langford coined coined by Luke. Correct. Yeah. Back. Yes, that's a that is a uh, Washington Football Crunch original right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Armani Marsh will get the start right now. Not so lengthy, five ten, a buck eighty three. Oh please, he's listed at five eight. The whole spring ball, you don't don't uh, the whole yeah yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I know he's from? he's not five ten. He I can tell you that. 
But uh, that's what that's what they'll list. And, him and so as. isn't Marcus Strong. I mean, are, is there any concerns starting a five eight and five nine corner? And and I've heard Marsh got beat a few times. Well, I mean, they did. That's what happened last year. I mean, they started uh, like holding pass interference. But the th- you have to remember, you have to remember with all those pass interferences, yes, they're smaller. And a lot of people want to blame it on the fact that, oh, well, they're just a bunch of, you know, small DBs going up against handle- huge and they can't <laughs> yeah. handle the receivers, the Pac-12 receivers. Well, a lot of the times in, you know, third and long, second and long situations, the Cougars are running blitzes and they're putting one high safety and manning up everyone else. So some of these cornerbacks are being put on an island against these corner and you're just it's natural that pass interferences are going to be called when you when you take the risks the risks that get you to be the number one the leader in the Pac-12 in sacks you have to pay for it in some pass interference calls so I you know I don't look at that as a huge issue the way some people do but yeah you know you do have two sub six foot cornerbacks going um, but again you know with the way that Armani Marsh has kind of taken off late in camp that wasn't a huge surprise. And then I guess you could supposedly, you could throw in uh, Daniel Isom beating out Tyrese Ross again. I expected that to happen, but that, you know, people are high on Tyrese Ross and for a good reason, he's a big hitting safety and there's going to be a role for him somewhere, but he's going to have to carve it out for himself. And I don't know where it is yet, but I honestly think that he is probably the backup, backup safety for both safety spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than uh, Chad, Chad Davis, Davis and, and nothing against Chad Davis Jr. But I also think that if something were to happen to uh, to Bryce Beekman, I I feel like they would be more confident with moving uh, Skylar Thomas back to his free safety spot and playing Pat Nunn, the 6'4 defensive back. So um, that's kind of where I, I see it playing out. But, uh, you know, not, not a whole lot of surprises here. And, and considerably down on oars from a year ago. I don't know if you remember last year. <laughs> last year there was special. literally, I think it were eighteen oars, something like that. I mean, it was, it was every position was like offensive at a point. Yeah. Yes. It was like, like it was like it was like you're meme. just mo- you're mocking us at this point that <laughs> with all these oars. You know, oh, after reviewing both of these depth charts, I am pumped for game week right now. But yeah. people like us aren't as common as we are hoping for because, like, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. But there are some slow ticket sales right now uh, for this week one for these week one matchups, uh, you know, for uh, New Mexico State and Eastern Washington. Yeah. Uh, have you guys heard anything about this? I mean, I, I feel like. Well, I'll, I'll go first. I, I feel like this is somewhat to be anticipated. Week one sales at UW and WC's box office do not typically go well when there's not a big matchup going on. And my and I, you know, I feel like historically that is accurate. Um, is it a concern? Luke, Are we trying to change the narrative? Ha- has it has it ever been a concern? I mean, was it a concern last year? I you know I don't I don't think it's a so. concern for our guy Tony Castro right now. Well, <laughs> no, it's great for him because if no one's there, people got to listen. You know, <laughs> yeah. but the thing Driving is, ratings. What's great about and then Washington State probably benefits from the same thing. Um, UW has like so much of their revenue. I feel like is driven from. Uh, First of all, season tickets, and then also, although the students won't be there that don't live in state, they already bought their dog pack tickets. Yeah, so they can yeah. still report sixty five thousand people there, and all that matters is they got all that money. Right? Yeah, so that's that. At the end of the day, that is the thing. It's like you, you, you know, you've already sold all your season tickets, and you've already sold all your student tickets or your student packages. Um, mm-hmm. 
So you're pro- you're not losing a ton at the box office. You know, you've already got that money. Do the people actually show up? That's a different question. Which you know, you do lose a little bit of money, but that's more in concession concessions, merchandise, and that. that you know, mean now you're thing. now you're counting nickels and dimes. Yeah. yeah. Although some programs could use those concessions. Well, yeah, yeah, no. Every last Particularly <laughs> one on one on the eastern side of the state. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Central Washington. We need to We need help. We need, yeah. we need season tickets. No. Yeah. No, yeah. Listen, I mean, football. Yeah, it's it's it, you got to generate revenue when you can, and game days are important for that. Uh, but uh, just to kind of you know get the rundown on UW versus Eastern. Um, I think. Uh, I think Dogman's going to be doing like a you know full blown preview of you know like oh how's the pass rush going to work against these tackles stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. that's going to come out later this week and myself and Luke Monger might be on that we're not sure, quite sure yet but uh, you know these games they're always really memorable for Eastern Washington when you look at their history you know, nobody nobody killers. really remembers yeah they don't remember the Montana games man unfortunately they don't remember the Portland State games but you mm-hmm. know people will remember when they beat Oregon State you know they'll remember sorry Jackson but they'll they'll remember when they beat WSU oh believe I know it I know it more so than most um and, and it's like pushing you up to the brinks you know these are the games you know talk about you know players like Vernon Adams and Cooper Cup. These are the games that the you know the people that are aware of Eastern football, but don't you know, like I said don't care about Eastern versus UC, UC Davis. They want to see what Cooper Cup is about. When NFL draft scouts talk about uh, FCS players um, and how ready they are for the NFL, they'll talk about how they matched up with FBS opponents. That's like Cooper Cup in the NFL draft. That's all they talked about was when he played UW, when he played Oregon State. He was perfect. You know he, he was great at it. Um, Jackson, I'm sure you can remember, you know, when, uh, Sam McPherson, remember when he scored that touchdown against WSU? Yeah, I, I, yes, vividly. <laughs> that, his first touchdown. And, and here's yeah. the thing, like, that's pretty much the only memory, unfortunately, that a lot of people have of Sam McPherson's en- uh, a college career, was when he scored that touchdown against WSU. Mm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, what For the these WSU games mean to Eastern Washington. Yeah. Folks following him, yeah. I'm talking, yeah, I, 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 for the Eastern fans and, and you know people that uh, like like enjoy that that style of football, for sure they're, they're gonna remember the 1500 yards in MVP level season. Yeah, but uh, yeah. and you know just looking at his matchup right now, you can't compare it to previous matchups in my opinion, because Eastern is yeah. not going to be the same offense this upcoming uh, Saturday that they have been when they played UW in the past, where they thrown for 480 yards and ran it 10 times. And nor is UW the same team. Yeah, I was going to say, UW is also a much different program as well. Yeah, yeah, compared to 2014-2011. So, you know, Eastern, the ones are good, but obviously they don't have the depth. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like I said... um, my favorite, my favorite Eastern memory, or my favorite person that I'll remember just because of an Eastern Washington UW matchup is Bo Levi Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, when, tw- was it like in twenty eleven? Levi Mitchell. Yeah, I think it was twenty eleven. He was like yeah. threw like seventy times. <laughs> yeah, and he was pretty good. I mean, he threw. I'm, I'm looking right now. He actually led the FCS in passing yards, passing touchdowns as well. That yeah, I think year. I think he was the quarterback of the twenty ten national champions. So, and, and he's also a CFL legend. There's a lot of Eastern quarterbacks in the CFL. Right now. Vernon Adams is starting for yeah. Montreal. So, but is there <laughs> is there anything sweet. about this particular matchup that maybe just intrigues you, excites you, moves the meter for you? Luke? Well, I think one thing that at least is a narrative that I feel like is a like I guess rests among Husky fans that I, I think will be interesting to put to the test is uh, well, first of all, Washington struggled to generate a lot of pass rush last year. 
And just over the past few years, when they have, it, it feels like they've struggled against quarterbacks that can move. So I think mm-hmm. Eric Berrier will be a really good kind of measuring stick for not only how good Washington's pass rush is, but kind of how disciplined it'll be too early uh, being mm-hmm. able to not only create penetration, but then kind of not lose contain and let him make bigger plays or make big plays out of like, I don't know, out of nothing, you know? Yeah. Like if someone fires through a gap and loses can contain and can't bring him down in the backfield and then they end up getting 15 yards out of it. That that's something that the Huskies might be able to afford against Eastern Washington, but can they afford it even like when Cal comes to town, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think that, that that's what stands out most to me about this game. Hmm. And then uh, Jackson, uh, what uh, what's some information, some intel you can give us on uh, Washington State versus New Mexico yeah. State? Well, the intel I have is not uh, is not eye popping, but it is certainly notable and, and probably good for for WSU that they get this New Mexico State matchup week one. And the reason I think that is because this is going to be a good special teams test for Washington State. New Mexico State, the number one kick returning team in college football last year. Hmm. Uh, Jason Huntley, I believe is their return man, has five career touchdown returns on kickoffs hmm. right now. Led the, led the country last year in kick returns. Uh, is a Paul Hornung uh, Award watch list fi- or watch list nominee along with uh, Travell Harris. So he is super explosive in the return game, and it's going to force WSU week one to be on top of their games in special teams. And I think that's so important moving forward in the year to have that week one, uh, you know, kind of check that you're you're up to par on your special teams because you know I don't think that special teams is going to lose their lose them um, uh, lose the game against New Mexico State. I don't think there's a whole lot that could lose WSU the game against New Mexico State, but I certainly could see some instances later on in the year where special teams could lose WSU some games and hopefully facing such a dynamic return guy in Jason Huntley of New Mexico State could offer um, a nice cushion into the season on the special teams side of the game. So I'm really going to be focusing on that in, in week one where, I mean, let's face it, New Mexico State's defense a year ago was torn through like a wet paper bag. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, I, I don't expect a whole lot out of, uh, I believe it's Luke Adkins is the quarterback. He's in his senior year. Last year mm-hmm. had like a 13 to 9 touchdown interception ratio. So I don't expect big things from the New Mexico State offense. I don't expect big things from the New Mexico State defense. But I do think you can expect some big things from the New Mexico State special teams. So WCU is going to have to be prepared there. Sweet. So what you're saying is that WSU, well, New Mexico State, sorry, has a might have an advantage in special teams, and yeah. special teams is one third of the game. It is one third just, of the game. If they can put together another third, but at the same time, WSU had a special teams renaissance last year, where they sh- literally were in the bottom bottom three for each statistical category in in, uh, in special teams. I'm talking kick return. Punt return, kick coverage, punt coverage, punt yards, kick yard. Like, all across the board, they have completely revived their special teams game from from 2017 to 2018. And now we get to see if that was kind of uh, a fluke or if if they, you know, Matt Brock, the special team coach, really has things dialed in. Hell of a test going up against the special teams uh, powerhouse. So, all right, (laughs) well... 
Let's start getting ready to get the hell out of here. It is the best time of the year, and we've got some great content coming out this week. Uh, for myself, I've got a bunch of high school football team previews coming out. You know, Gonzaga Prep. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of teams. So that's that's the one that I thought of first. That's going to come out pretty soon. Zilla, if, yeah. uh, if you're a fan of small town football. Well, uh, if if I may interject here, you have an extra week because doesn't high school football not start until oh yeah, it's super late this year? It starts until next Thursday. Next next Thursday, yeah. So you not have this Friday, yeah, yeah. You so you have an extra a whole other week to get some of these previews out until you kind of have to look other directions. Or are you still going to be running some previews early no, in the season? No, no it'll be uh, eleven previews in about seven days here. So wow, okay. And uh, nineteen, I'm doing thirty total. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing as much as I can right now. And then what, what, what's your work looking like after that? Uh, well, then it's just like takeaway articles, like oh, five, five takeaways from the Kinko, uh, you know, week one, yeah, uh, player profiles, uh, cool. you know, team gets hot. So, oh, there's this plenty, there's plenty with of with hundreds of teams in the state. You know, there's never a shortage of, of stories to, to yeah. tell. So, absolutely, Jackson, what do you got going on this week? So I, you know, we're starting game week just as WCU and UW are starting their game week preparation. I am doing mine. Just had the the first glimpse, kind of our preview of uh, New Mexico State. We're gonna have some, you know, hopefully some good enterprising stuff coming out this week, and then of course we'll have wall to wall game day coverage. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's gonna be it for me this week. Um, also, I guess I can I can tentatively plug this right now. Looking to to get me at a spot. It won't be this week, but looking to uh, on KJR have a spot for me on Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. which will be a lot of fun. Uh, kind of you know talking some Cougar football, uh, you know, with KJR guys on Saturday mornings. So tentatively, right now we have that starting next week. So that'll be the Northern call before the Northern Colorado game. Um, but I'll you know I'll keep you guys posted on on that stuff and and. Hopefully that uh, all comes to fruition. That's exciting, yeah. Very exciting, for sure. What about you, Luke? Yeah, not a ton of new content necessarily for me that I can guarantee is coming out. (laughs) Um, On Saturday, I know I'll be doing interviews post-game, which will be super exciting. Uh, Just kind of get back in the media room and then, Mm -hmm. again, just kind of uh, occasionally churning something out for Dogman when I get the time slash when they have the need, Um, which hopefully... Not necessarily on the need side, but the one I have time side is more often mm-hmm. uh, this fall. So, yeah, just looking Luke, forward to What else to, are you doing this Saturday? Yes, I'm also uh, spotting for uh, oh, Tony yeah. Tony Kashrikon and yes. the IMG By podcast the way. team, which <laughs> is exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it should be fun. You know, I've never done it before. Uh, I remember watching the Miami Florida game this last Saturday and thinking if I have a game like that that I have to spot. It would be a disaster. <laughs> now, uh, so we're. Ho- I'm hoping there aren't as all many the broken just tackles. Like, and- well, I was gonna say like there were a couple fumbles where like six people from each team got to it at the same time, and <laughs> it was like, true. oh, it looks like uh, like Florida dove on this one. It's like, oh, actually Miami ball. And it's like, oh wow. Like imagine if I were trying to spot that. It's like I don't even know what I would do. I'd just look at him and like shred. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, Luke, I'm I'm curious and keep keep your answer brief because we we do have to get out of here. But yes. I'm curious to know what. Uh, your your thoughts are on your new role here. Are you looking to really soak in to what Tony Cascone has in terms of his broadcasting skills and perhaps, you know, trying to to find an angle to work yourself into a broadcasting role at some point in the future? Or are you really just happy to to be working in the broadcast booth with Tony and, and still, you know, 
100% in the finance game. Yeah, so I, I'd say the short answer is kind of a hybrid between mm-hmm. the two. Um, I, like, obviously would love an opportunity to, one way or another, get involved, uh, like, in a broadcast team and, and eventually maybe spring into a broadcasting role around mm-hmm. here. That said, I really just love Seattle a ton. So, yeah. um, like, I would probably love uh, just having this opportunity for a while, even if it doesn't turn any or turn into anything uh, at Husky Stadium uh, over like if I got like, I don't know, like a sideline reporter something gig at like yeah. Temple football games, you know, right. <laughs> hey, exactly. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, great city. <laughs> oh, yeah, great city for sure. But uh, that's nothing against Philadelphia, more yeah. pro Seattle here. Yeah. So if you can offer to cover AAA baseball in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you're not going to go. Uh, Pro- you know the lookouts to. The- <laughs> yeah, you know AAA. You- you're just one. You're just one op- shot away from the big time. <laughs> I, I, I would heavily consider that. That's true. Okay, fine. AAA that, maybe that a little hypothetical different. opportunity. <laughs> I, you know, just being like, if I can get by, like get next to um, like Dave Sims in the broadcast booth. Speaking of baseball, that would be a dream right there. That would be that would be pretty remarkable. I, I think I'd spend most that. of the time not laughing at him, but just like in <laughs> awe of him. <laughs> All right, very yeah. cool. So, well, follow us on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen at Luke Monger and at Jackson M Garner. And for myself, Luke and Jackson, we are signing off. Thanks.